1: Rob Black, weekday mornings from 10 to noon on Talk 910 KNEW. You, your money, your life, your dreams. The answers are here. This is Rob Black.
0: It's
2: Rob Black, John. Rob Black, talking all things financial. Joining me right here, right now. Financial planner and media whore, Chad Burton. I am your media whore. You are my media whore. Um, With that said, San Francisco might be home to ranking division number one Scrabble player Jerry Lerman, just back from the national championships. Can you imagine that there's a Scrabble national championships?
3: I guess I could imagine that if I tried really,
2: really hard. Now, just to make things more um, (laughs) Hasbro-rific, San Francisco today is going to be turning parts of Lombard Street. They're going to shut it down. And they're going to be turning it into Candyland. And how are they going to do that?
3: It's too many questions. Yeah, I know. I think
0: it's... Gumdrop Mountain.
1: <laughs>
3: so... <laughs> Where are we going with this one? Uh,
2: good idea, bad idea for cities to be spending money like this. Absolutely bad idea. Bad idea.
3: Yeah, ridiculous. Okay. So what are we is talking somebody about? somebody like Hasbro Or is somebody like, you know, a candy company sponsoring this though? I don't know. Yeah. Okay. I don't look into details like that. So never let the details. <laughs> or whether or not it's actually real. <laughs> never let the
2: details get in the way of a good story. Is what That's I have right. to say. I learned that from Channel Four Cron News. <laughs> hey, kid's have been abducted. Let's cover that. Uh, anything depressing they'll cover, right? Uh, yes. Swine flu. Um, what's what noise does a pig make, Chad? Oink.
3: Uh, they, they, give, that's exactly how they say it too can you give me, no. a, little, uh, can you give me a little bit more <laughs> no I will not because I know it will be recorded and played over and over again bitter swine flu vaccines under development
2: by drug makers not going to be ready until the last week of November so are you going to send your kids to school knowing that they could get swine flu and die no I haven't let them out of the basement yet and they still have their yeah. masks on vaccine probably is going to require two shots are you going to be a parent that gives your kid the H1N1 flu shots I don't know um, well are, are you going to do it I um, don't know so um, I like flu shots personally I'm a big proponent of flu shots and this is clearly um, been a virus that's been smoldering uh, amongst children so they, they say that the children are going to be the, the crux of the blow up so to speak it's not going to protect patients from seasonal influenza so you may have to get three flu shots this year Chad and that may be a little bit too much for
3: me yeah, it's, it's actually just, in my head, that's a little bit too much to put in your body, it seems like.
2: Yeah. But uh, you're not a doctor.
3: I'm not. So, have you ever played one? Oh, yes, many times. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> we gotta take this off air. <laughs> yeah. I want to hear who you were playing doctor with. <laughs> you know, a hundred years ago, doctors didn't go to college. They just cut and hoped for the best? We didn't really have. Yeah, they just so. bled people. Pretty much so. Oh, we need to get back to those days. So, um, I'm digressing. What do you think of Biochrist, Gilead Sciences, GlaxoSmithKline, Baxter International, Hemispherics, and Crucial NV? What do you think all six of those stocks have in common? Biotechs. No. Swine flu. Oh, okay. They're all plays on swine flu. So, f- from March, Novavax, ticker symbol NVAX, has gone from a buck to five bucks. Crucial has gone from 10 last swine flu season to where it is now, 23. Hemispherics biopharma has gone from a $1 buck to a buck ninety. Baxter International's gone from fifty to fifty-five, so that's not very good. Uh GlaxoSmithKline has gone from thirty to forty. And BioChrist has gone from four bucks to ten bucks. Would you pursue those? Um Let's say today on Cron. Let's let's flash forward three months. Schools in session. Mm-hmm. Today, schools in Santa Clara found swine flu, and twenty three kids died. Would you use that crisis to buy these stocks? Do you have a conscious, no conscious, morality, no morality? Do you have to make a buck at the end of the day? I own, you know, Philip Morris, even though my dad died from cancer. Uh, do you see where I'm going with us?
3: Yeah. I, well, first of all, I don't invest in stories or themes or things like that it's it, we screen for stocks in a specific way um it, stocks like that are going to be priced for perfection so it, stocks that went up during SARS or during mad cow or whatever it could be um and what does a, a cow say <laughs> you know what it says you tell me I don't know what a cow sounds like I haven't been on a farm I in a long time yeah me neither I've never been to a farm kidding um have you been have, did you did you live out in the country at one point Rob did you raise some goats or something like that? What are you talking about? This just flashed into my head. I want to
2: buy some pygmy goats to upset my neighbor because I think it would be cool to have pygmy goats and I'd never have to mow the lawn. Uh, and you could just walk them down the street with a <laughs> four or five pygmy goats <laughs> following you. You know, it's funny. If you had pygmy goats, they'd be taller than you. <laughs>
3: oh, ouch. No. Uh. <laughs> that is just brutally loud when you do that, too. You know who that is, right? You. That's you. No, it's not. <laughs> that's you, Chad. That's you. We, do, we, do it again, Heidi. No, uh, that's not me. <laughs>
2: uh, okay, pick me, goods. following me down the street. Okay, so story stocks. You're not a big story stock guy.
3: No. Nope. That's uh, short term trades. So
2: let's talk Warren Buffet. Yeah, he's in the news today. Basically, not slamming America, but once again saying that we already know. Um, our government spends too much money. Our grandkid, our grandkids are going to have to pay it off at some point in time. Yep. Um, so maybe we should have more children, and then Warren Buffett would be wrong. That's true. Let's overpopulate. Overpopulate, and then they could all get minimum wage jobs. <laughs> I like it. I like it. We'll take too. over
3: Mexico and Canada.
2: We should take over Mexico and Canada, in my opinion. Canada, Canada first. Be, Canada, Canada first. We'll see how Mexico goes. Cakewalk. Cakewalk. <laughs> So just go in during the Stanley Cup Finals, and boom, it's ours. Just move into their houses. Pretty much so. But then again, we'd, get, <laughs> then again, we'd have to get um, Bob and Doug McKenzie. Coo, 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 coo. Um, We'd have to get those guys and give them free health care. Or just free beer. Yeah, free beer. Good day, eh? <laughs> you know, I actually— Have a good
0: day, sir. I say good day.
2: I actually liked Bob and Doug McKenzie. I thought that whole Great North thing was funny.
3: Yeah, it, it's, it didn't age well, though. Now, you know, you watch that. Now your kids are going to be looking at it going. What in the heck is this?
2: Okay, back to Warren Buffet. Yeah, New York Times today. um, Everyone should read the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, Financial Times minimum if you're going to be involved in money. the New York Times today says the U.S. economy is out of the emergency room.
3: Appears to be on a slow path to recovery. So says Warren Buffet. Mm. Do you agree? Yeah, I mean, I still think there's a lot of ways to go. I mean, I say this, it feels like every time I'm on the show, but it's my clients that are small business owners. And just when you look out there and and small business, um, basically surveys that are out there, they're still having to cut workforce and still worried about liquidity when it comes to credit that they need. So I'm not really too concerned about credit at the individual level, because I I think that credit quality people that or, you know, individuals that have good credit, good income, aren't really having that much of a problem getting a car loan or a credit card. I'm not too worried about individual credit. I'm worried about business liquidity. And I think there could be a double-dip recession if that doesn't get fixed. And I think there's little signs of it, but um, it just ticks me off that Congress is out there, like Warren Buffet is saying, spending 185% of what it takes in. Meanwhile, they're trying to put through a health care plan that they can't afford instead of focusing on what runs America, and that's small business. That's where the innovation and the jobs come from is small business America. And it's just, you know, just I want everybody to just clean house in 2010 and wipe Congress out. Get rid of all these people that are just tied to special interests and focus on America. Focus on jobs. Clean house 2010. You going to do a right. bumper sticker? No, I hate bumper stickers. Now, what's that? That's one thing. I I just cannot stand bumper stickers. I'm going to put a sticker on my car to make a statement that everybody can read and ruin my paint job. Good idea. That's Someone, one of the things I hate, clowns and bumper stickers.
0: Have
2: a good day, sir.
3: <laughs> Someone's having a bad day. You wake <laughs> up, Mr. Grumpy? <laughs> exactly. You talk about bumper stickers, even my kids hate them now because I've said that so often. You're a freak. I won't even put the, my kid is an honor student at such and such school. I will not put a bumper sticker on my How about car. my kid beats up honor students? Nope, won't even do that one. Mm. <laughs> uh, anyway <sighs> so you know it, one of the things that warren buffett was talking about is that um, our deficit is 13 percent of gdp which is a post-world war ii record and that's still not as big as other countries but it just shows that that's continuing to grow and that we are you know kind of in a situation where we're not going to be the world leader economy wise if things don't change But that's okay. We're going to be able to invest overseas. Can I get you to
2: sing a little uh, Slim
3: Shady with me? Nah. Come on, it's it's catchy. I'm not going to do it. I'm so so scared of being recorded on anything on your show anymore.
2: You don't think we just captured a great one? I hate bumper stickers and clowns. (laughs) That's coming back. (laughs) Sweet. I don't mind that one at all. Take a break here. We'll be right back. Uh, Chad and I are going to be in Los Gatos Thursday night. You can find out more at RobBlack.com or you can call the show 800 345 5639. It's
3: 800 345 5639. Take a break. We'll be right back. Well, if you want shady, this is what I'll give you. A little bit of me. This with some heart. Like I said, I thought it my heart quicker than the shock when I get shocked at the hospital by the doctor when I'm not cooperating. When I'm rocking the table while he's operating. You waited this long to stop debating because I'm back. I'm on
1: you, your money, your life, your dreams. The answers are here. This is Rob Black.
2: It's Rob Black. I'm Rob Black. Talking all things financial on a day-by-day basis. 800-345-5639 to get your calls there. Not a lot of phone calls recently. It's been a desert of phone calls. I'd like you to be an oasis of phone calls. 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. You can also email the show, rob at robblack.com. You can jump on the live blog, 910 knywcom 910 knywcom Chad, earlier in the show, a man named Wes called, and he was he just recently been disabled. And he doesn't think he'll be able to get back to work. So he worked until age 50, and then he got disabled. Mm-hmm. He had about a $300,000 house, $90,000 left on it, paying 5.5%, $300,000 in cash, $400,000 in IRS. Um, that's a scenario where you might consider paying off a house because you don't have the income ever coming in anymore.
3: Yeah. You've got to be careful though. I mean, you might want to pay it off over time because if you use up your $300,000 in cash to pay off the house, then all of a sudden all you have left is what's in your retirement accounts. Um, and even though you're disabled, you're going to want to, you know, pull that out slowly and deal with your tax brackets. He's going to be able to pull a certain amount out tax free, um, just because of, you know, deductions from the loan costs, itemized deductions like your property taxes and things like that. So you really got to set up a longer-term plan that's pretty cash flow sensitive and pretty tax sensitive. So,
2: now, okay, Did, was that enough said?
3: Yeah, I mean, I I actually heard the call as I was signing on with you, and um, I think you answered it the right way. It's not something that can you know totally be answered on the radio. Um, okay. I think you've you've definitely got to spend some time with the, your team, your, whether that's your attorney. Um, have you applied for the Social Security disability? What's that income? It, all sorts of things are going to go into that budget. Really super important. Yep. It sounds lame to say, doesn't it? Budget. It sounds very Susie
2: Orman-ish, right? Well, I think it's kind of key to figure out what's going in and what's what's coming in, and what's going out.
3: Yeah, it's. I mean, unfortunately, you can't really do any good planning without a pretty detailed budget. I mean. When people call our firm, it's one of the first things we send them is an Excel spreadsheet with to fill in. Tell us what you're spending because all of the planning that we do is cash flow sensitive. Even the portfolio design all kind of goes back to the budget. What are you spending because that determines how much you need in cash, whether you're, you need emergency reserves because you're younger or whether you need three to five years worth of expenses and safe, safe money if you're retired or within 10 years from retirement. Let's get to a quick phone call. Let's go to Joe and Vallejo. Joe?
0: Yeah, I was going to see if you would talk about my stock that
2: I own, SYY. Um, are you a trucker? I am in sales. Oh, you're in sales. Okay. Tell me a little bit about Cisco, SYY.
0: Largest food service distributor in in, in the world.
2: Okay. It's... Delivered
0: to restaurants, hotels, government contracts.
2: You know, I once called my broker and asked him to buy Cisco for me, and he bought me uh, the guy who sang the thong song, thong, 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 song. Let me see your thong. Uh, oh, no. Uh. <laughs> There's a good chance that thong,
3: thong, 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 thong is going to be uh, cut up.
2: Oh, yeah. why do I do this? <laughs> that
3: that song is just too old to even remember. You don't remember that? Oh, I remembered it, but, you know, who knows?
2: Okay. Um, Chad. Yeah. Number one food service company. Mm-hmm. They're a huge supplier in North America. Outside of that, a little less so. 400,000 customers. There are 180 distribution centers throughout the United States and Canada. Basically, if you eat food out at a restaurant, at a hotel, at, you know, they're there. Mm -hmm. Um, Not only do they do that, but they also have their own private label brands. So interesting company uh, because they are a monopoly. And let's face it, we're going to eat out or eat food for the rest of our lives. Now the stock has been a little bit of an underperformer on a one-year basis, Um, not doing much, but it has a four percent dividend yield, which you kind
3: of like, right? Yeah, I mean the dividend is one place to definitely start on a company like this. How much is this going to pay you back? I mean, if you look at a five-year chart of the thing, it basically tracks the S and P five hundred.
2: They're so big, though; they're only going to grow so much at this point in time. I think that's fair to say.
3: Yeah, it's. I mean, it's on a stock like this, you look at it and say, I can get you know one percent in my money market or four percent in cash or 4% in the stock as far as a dividend yield, it's going to be tough to grow, and it's going to be commodity-sensitive as well. I mean, most of the stuff that they deal in, whether it's the cost of fuel for shipping or the the food costs, um, you know, to buy the food and prep the stuff that they sell, it's commodity-sensitive for sure, and that's one of the reasons why commodities and the S&P 500 kind of tracked each other, oddly enough, over the last five years when typically they've been kind of an inverse relationship. Um, so... After the big drop that they've had since October, it is kind of a defensive play, but I wouldn't expect it to be a, a you know outperformer in the in the next five to ten years.
2: Okay. Now let me throw out some numbers too. Thirty-five billion, thirty-seven billion, thirty-six billion in the last three years. So in the last year it has slowed a little bit as, you know, some businesses go out of business and some businesses cut back on um their their, their money. If you take a look at a ten year chart, twenty year chart of Cisco Chad, mm-hmm. it's a beauty. And it's a little bit too big, so I would qualify it. I'd own the stock. I'd have no problem owning the stock. But I would qualify it as an old, mature, what I would refer to as a, a jaguar. Yeah. We, we all know there's pumas. We all know there's cougars. And then there's jaguars. And this is more of a jaguar. Mm-hmm. So you know what a jaguar is?
3: Uh, yeah, <laughs> of course I know what a jaguar is. What is it? Well, the animal or the car that is way too expensive to keep
2: up. I'm talking about the woman who's over seventy-five who dates a man twenty, oh, years, 20 years her junior. Wow! So that's why I'm calling this over one. and above a cougar. It's over and above a cougar. That's absolutely yeah. correct. So, yeah. um, anyway, a you know, puma is a woman up to the age of thirty-five who dates younger men. Okay, so that's what I got for you. Is that on Wikipedia now? No, no. Um, who's the Jennifer Aniston's going to play a puma in her next movie? Oh yeah. And suppose that there's a topless scene. All right, just letting you know. Be sure to bring the kids to that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's take a break here. Um, Chad and I are going to be at the Toll House Hotel. Um, Chad and his firm, New Focus Financial. Um, we're going to talk retirement plan and wealth preservation. Uh, upcoming seminar Thursday. You can basically learn about the issues that you have and how to draw money and. Things that you might be forgetting in retirement, setting up accounts, and how to uh, diversify. You can find out more information at RobBlack.com. That's Thursday. That's tomorrow night. It's the Rob Black Show. I'm RobBlack.
1: I'm back next at 12 noon on Talk 910 KNEW. Now, Rob Black, Chad Burton. We just heard
2: yes, a commercial sir. for buying a new mattress.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I tend to like to buy used mattresses. <laughs> I I think I'm the, only pers- the stains aren't too large, right? Pretty much so. <laughs> or moist. I don't okay. mind a big stain as long as it's not a big moist
3: stain. <laughs> Oh, man. Why can I picture that in your house? I don't know.
2: <laughs> okay. Um, gold demand. Listen to this. It fell to a six-year low in the second quarter as the recession is curbed buying by jewelers and electronic producers. This is one of those things that a lot of people don't expect. You know, you hear gold. It's a great investment in a bad economy. It's great for inflation. But in a bad economy, people don't buy gold, and the gold miners, they can easily get their gold still. So it's a bit of an issue. It's a little dynamic that I don't think people think about.
3: Right. And I think the, the oddest one is people wonder why, okay, post-October, why didn't gold skyrocket when we were going through this global credit crisis meltdown, right? Well, it's because hedge funds were selling their gold left and right to create any cash they could since their, you know, leveraged mortgage debt investments were falling off a cliff. So, um, it, you know, it's more of a, a, a panicky investment. I think the average person would be better serve, they're trying to fight inflation by having a Bit of commodity fund, bit of some foreign bonds, and a good chunk of international stocks. Good
2: news Americans gained 73 days to live in 2007.
3: <laughs> Let's live longer and longer as it's getting harder and harder to retire. Sounds like a great plan, right? Life expectancy in the United States. What do you, what do you think it is? What do you think it is? Uh, let's see, male is about, what, 86 years old now?
2: Mm, now you're killing me. You're getting too specific. All right. Life expectancy for an average American is? 76. 77.9 years. Up from 77.7. 7.
3: Uh, yeah.
2: Good. De- death rate for influenza and pneumonia, homicide and accident, strokes, diabetes, and hypertension. The death rate fell. For the first time ever, a black man could expect to live past his 70th birthday.
3: Okay.
2: That's all I got. <laughs> so
3: a lot of good info there
2: okay i'm trying let's go back to your info that you sent me said so let's talk about this um so chad will send me questions and <laughs> they're just the lamest questions like this one what does a financial projection have to include for you to feel like the plan is fairly
3: bulletproof that's a great question rob i know you wrote it oh <laughs> uh, you ask me for content and then you make fun of me i love you <laughs> what does the cow say Not gonna tell you. Okay, come on. Uh... It says Rob. Okay, so you really want to know what a financial projection should look like? If what is a financial
2: what is a financial projection? Well, if you're doing a
3: financial plan, you you know you've basically created a budget, and your budget includes everything that you spend, everything that you're gonna spend, a new car, say every ten years, the stuff that you want to do in retirement, maybe that's a new RV, very specific budget, but it also then includes healthcare costs because once you get you know, 65, you've got Medicare part B, which you pay for about a hundred bucks a month. You got supplemental insurance, you got prescription drugs and, and long-term care insurance. So that's all put in there. And then you also adjust for inflation. Um, so, you know, you're going to spend more each and every year. And the other thing that you have to do is, is how do you protect yourself against unexpected costs? And that's things like buying a long-term care insurance policy. So if you've got a good budget includes healthcare and inflation, you've got a good long-term care insurance policy, let's say a five-year plan for each you and your spouse. And then if you run a projection out and you've got enough money to last till age 100 at a 6% return and at least 3.5% inflation and, and you don't put any inflation on your Social Security income, then it's looking pretty good, especially if you have three to five years worth of expenses in cash too. And a very balanced portfolio. Wake up. Oh, good God. <laughs> what happened? You got something better there?
2: Uh, yeah, yeah. You want me to do something good? Okay. Um, let's talk about some recession myths. Okay. There's a myth that bonds are the safest place to be.
3: During a recession? Yeah. Uh, I think high yield convertible bonds are a great thing to start buying a couple of months into a recession. Um, just look at the returns on convertible bonds, high yield bonds since basically
2: November. There's also a, a myth that real estate is a safe place to be during a recession.
3: You know, I, the general idea of asset allocation during a recession, things like your bonds, your real estate, which provides your income, your commodities and things like that, something will be going up when the general stock market is going down. That's the idea of asset allocation. Um, that was all tested, put to the test, basically the four, fourth quarter of '08 and the first quarter of 2009. It was a bit of an anomaly, but, um, you know, I think you definitely need to own 5 to 10% real estate or REITs in the long run. Something I truly believe in is that investing at times, Chad,
2: can be a humbling experience, and you just got to go with that. There's going to be periods of time where your assets do go down in value, but you're collecting assets, not necessarily buying them at the perfect prices. You're collecting them sometimes at the perfect price, sometimes at the not-so-perfect price. Mm-hmm. you agree
3: with that basic sage advice? Yeah, and in fact, my uh, one of my mistakes, I think, this year um, to share with just this, that idea is sometimes when you're supposed to buy, it feels like it's the worst time to buy. Um, waited too long, probably, to get more back into uh, REITs, for example. Don't own much REITs right now at all. Basically, what I was seeing out there and what our analysts were seeing is that, okay, dividends were being cut and shares were being issued instead of paying investors cash. They're still having trouble refinancing um, and dealing with debt that's coming due. But yet, yet REITs had a big rally off the bottom already. Um, so you've got to own them uh, you know, smidgen pretty much all the time. And you've got to plan on when you're going to overweight and underweight. But typically, the time to start buying stuff is when it feels the worst. And uh, I didn't even take my own advice on that with REITs this last big dip that we've had.
2: Okay. Um, how much are you putting into this whole administration deficit issue?
3: Um, well, it's, just, it's ridiculous. I mean, the, to me, this not even just the administration, but just most people in Congress, it seems, are so tied to special interests in getting their agenda pushed through without looking at the overall picture, which is you know what keeps America going, and that's jobs. And where's jobs come from? Well, typically it comes from small business because that's where innovation comes from. And that's where these bigger industries, you know, flow out of. And right now it doesn't seem like anybody is paying attention to small businesses. They're just worried about spending what they can in the next two years while we've got a, you know, one party controlled um, administration in Congress and not caring really what's going to happen five, 10 years from now. It's going to be interesting, Chad,
2: because I think Obama could be setting himself up to be a one term president. Due to the fact that he's basing a lot of economic assumptions on 3.4% GDP growth in 2011 and 2012, which if we get 3.4% GDP growth in 2011, 2012, um, I'm not going to cut off a pinky because it could happen. Yeah, But <laughs> if, it, if we get 3.4% GDP growth, we're going to have a $2 trillion deficit. And on one level, the Republicans are going to run against him on a $2 trillion deficit, or they're going to run against him on a a GDP of under 2%. He does not go—none of the uh, White House blue-chip economic indicators, none of his administrative um, numbers show GDP at anything under 3%. He's afraid of the two.
3: Well, and you've got a plan for—I mean, this just kills me why you don't have true business people running America, because you run your projections at higher than normal— especially after a big, you know, glut of debt that we've taken on and leveraging the economy to keep it that growing that pace, you don't run your projections at 3 to 4% economic growth. You run it at 1 to 2% economic growth and deal with the longer term problems of your business and you know what, Congress's business is America. Um it's just I don't get it. I don't get how these people can sleep at night with with what they're doing and what they're concentrating on.
2: Got to do another quick break. We only did three breaks in the first hour, so the second hour gets five, unfortunately. Thanks very much, Chad. We'll come back to you in a couple minutes, uh, reboot some of our content. You can uh, find out about Chad at chadburton.com. You can find out a little bit more retirement boot camp and wealth preservation. Event Los Gatos tomorrow night, six thirty nine. Should be a good event, although I'm pretty strung out tired by the end of those things. So, you anyway, know, more information at robblack.com. Pick up the phone. Give us a call 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. We'll be headed for
0: the serious drive. Day, but tomorrow they'll be held to, yeah, to, to pay the tomorrow people listen attentively, I mean about future calamity I used to think the idea was obsolete Until I heard the old man's dampenist speech
1: Black is watching your wallet live and local call 1-800-345-KNEW 800-345-5639
2: to get your calls in the air it's 800-345-5639 not a lot of phone calls I may start recording the show in the middle of the night and just uploading it because not a lot of phone calls a little bit sad and disappointed by that. 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Let's talk to Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner Chad Burton. We overbook him when he's in town to do seminars um, and talk money and retirement issues. So he was on yesterday. He's on today. Uh, He'll probably be on again. How often should a trust be reviewed? What is a trust, Chad? Who uses trusts?
3: Well, when you have assets... um, Does Paris Hilton have a trust? Yeah, trust baby, right? So we should review her trust? She should review her trust. Well, she's probably got a certain type of trust that might be even irrevocable for you know assets that her parents might have given her. Irrevocable. Um, What's the yeah. difference between revocable and irrevocable? Well, an irrevocable trust, let's say you're a wealthy person, you want to get some of your assets outside of your estate so you can gift it out now, assuming that it's going to grow in the future. So you pay some gift tax on it now. And, uh, the future growth will be outside of your state. So when you die, your heirs will get that, you know, without paying estate taxes. So I would guess that she's got a big chunk of assets that are in an irrevocable trust that her parents set up and she just gets income off of it. And then she's, you know, also created a lot of her own wealth modeling, whatever else you want to call it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) oh no, you didn't. Um, so you know she probably has a living trust for her own assets so that if she dies um it goes to who she wants it to without any probate costs and so if you especially if you have kids and you have assets um you know over 30,000 outside of retirement accounts um you can save heirs some money by getting a living trust and also if you're a wealthier person when you die if you want your spouse's amount that can go to their heirs tax free to you, you, if you want to keep that credit a certain amount of money has to go into a irrevocable trust when the first spouse dies. So all that can be done in a living trust. You should update them about every two to three years. And if you haven't updated it since 2001, you're way behind the times. Things have really changed, and you got to look in there for what's called disclaimer language.
2: With that said, um, I once knew my best friend. My best friend in college was a girl named Amy and mm-hmm. uh, loved her. It's kind of funny. I went to a, on an Australian vacation, and come back like two weeks into college classes and i look for the cutest chick. Cause that was my shtick on how to meet women. And I say, Hey, I've been in classes for a couple of weeks. Um, can I borrow your notes? And it turned out that she would fall asleep during class and her notes would start with like a, you know, Palo Alto. And then it goes into the So it was the wrong person to ask for notes, but ultimately we became best friends. Um, where do I go with this? Oh, she got married to a, one of the wealthiest families in Virginia, old tobacco money, old tobacco money. And she was given a trust that was irrevocable. And the terms of the trust were pathetic and sad and nominal. And she ultimately had this guy's kids. And then she found out there is no divorce. There's divorce, but there's no alimony. There's nothing like that. Because she, she waived the right to alimony in order to get this trust. And um turned out to be pretty pretty crappy, all things considered. And she doesn't even get to manage it. The family gets to manage it. So. Mm-hmm.
3: Well, yeah, and then it's if it's an irrevocable trust truly, then it's probably the family had to hire another trustee that they might, you know, who knows, have a relationship with. But, hey, that's the thing. You know, you get if you're a wealthy person, you're getting married, post-nup, pre-nup, and anything you can to protect your estate. I'm kind of all for that. Um, if it affects the guy's children's way of life, then he's a scumbag, right? He's a pretty big scumbag. He's a scumbag altogether. He's the kind of guy that... um.
2: It's more important to him to go on a road trip to the Baseball Hall of Fame with his four buddies than anything else in the world.
3: Mm, than his kids,
2: too. Oh, wait, wait! And he he buys all of his friends the booze, and he he gets the car. Like
3: he just he has to flash the money, kind of thing, to mm-hmm. be important. Yep. So I know a couple of people like that. Okay. And you you just you wonder that the people that hang around them all the time. Are they really their friend or are they just like to be, you know, flown all over and have it all their booze bought? Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> so.
2: How often should the average 40-year-old, 30-year-old, 50-year-old, how, how often should people rebalance their portfolios?
3: Oh, at least once a year. Really? Oh, yeah, definitely. Even when 401ks. You, oh, Yeah. And it's it's really easy to do in a 401k. Once you pick a target asset allocation, you can put turn on. Most 401k plans have an automatic rebalancer where you log into the 401k, you pick your funds based on your risk tolerance, and you just turn it on so that once a year it, it gets rebalanced. Um, when you're in your 50s, though, once you get 10 years away from retirement, you need to rebalance more often. You should almost look at it quarterly. And anytime you have a big market rally, you say, okay, where do I need to put the gains now? Because once you hit 55 and you're 10 years from retirement, you have to end up with three years worth of expenses in cash and the easiest ways to do that are where you're sending your contributions and when you're pulling gains off the table that's how you kind of accumulate your cash reserve in your 401k plan with your stable value fund let's take a little
2: bit of a break here again we're catching up on break sorry people we don't do this terribly often you can find out more about me at robblack.com it's robblack show 800-345-5639 it's 800 345 to get your calls on the air
1: Is Rob Black on Talk Nine Ten KNEW? It's
2: Rob Black, show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Let's do a couple phone calls. Jonathan in San Francisco. Jonathan, hey, I uh, think last week you reported that Metro PCS went considerably down the stock. I was wondering if you knew why that happened. Uh, They reported mixed results. Um, Results, weakness in the stock was basically uh, tied towards them being called a sell because they had a a poor earnings quarter.
0: Do you Um, have any uh, long-term
2: views on this? I do not. So thanks for the call. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639. Metro PCS is just one of those telecom companies that a little too far underneath my radar. A lot of people want them to be acquired by Sprint. A lot of people want them to be acquired by AT&T or Verizon. And that's kind of like horseshoes. You know, maybe, maybe not. Let's go to Pete and San Leandro. Pete. Pete. San Leandro. (laughs) Okay, Chad, you'll play the part of Pete. I'll play the part of me. Let's go to Pete and San Leandro.
3: Uh, Hi, can I talk to Chad? I really don't want to talk to Rob. Sure, let me get Chad for you, Pete. Chad, you there? I'm here. So, Pete, go ahead with your question. I just wanted to ask Chad why he puts up with Rob. (laughs) Chad, what's your answer to that? Because I'm a media whore. (laughs) (laughs) That's
2: actually a pretty good phone conversation. That is good. I like that. So I wish Pete would have actually called in with that question. (laughs) Let's go to Frank in Santa Rosa. Frank?
0: Hey, Rob i got a question for you and Chad, uh, dealing with international bond funds, your take on them right now and how they could fit into one's portfolio.
3: International bonds. Um, Chad, what are your thoughts? Well, um, I, I like international bond funds. I think um, post-November you know, created a pretty good buying opportunity. Actually, I'm trying to remember when we, we sold in October-November timeframe and got back in, I think, in February or March. How did that um, work out? It's worked out really well. I mean, we've had a nice gain in the share prices and um, of the funds because we go when it comes to a foreign bond fund, we'll use a good manager. Um, We won't use an ETF. We want a good manager in there because there's political issues, there's currency issues and things like that. Uh, the dollar was also rallying during the major crisis. So once the dollar stopped rallying, that's another good time as the dollar falls to be in foreign bond funds, and the yields are fairly decent now, much better than they were prior to October. So if you've got a balanced portfolio, let's say you got about 35% in stocks, you probably want 7 to 10% of that in foreign bonds right now. And would that change in what scenario? Uh, significant dollar rallies. I mean, if you, we get an administration that's bent on balanced budget, um, you know, basically, hey, let's stimulate the economy, let's let's create tax credits and things like that for small businesses, but at the same time, try to balance the budget, that's going to show signs of a strengthening dollar, and that's going to be the times when you want to underweight. So maybe instead of owning 10% in foreign bonds, you go down to four or five. Sounds good. Did that answer your question, Frank? Operator.
2: If you'd like. Weird. Yeah, he sounds like an operator. Wow. So that's pretty impressive. It is. What else do we need to know, Chad? We've got uh, one minute and twenty
3: seconds. Um, yeah, boy, I don't know. <laughs> Talk about putting me on the spot. I sound a little constipated there. Uh, you know, I think a lot of the things that I'm still seeing, question-wise, Rob, um, not only on the blog but on um, just from your listeners on email, when people are in kind of these financial difficulties and they're talking about hardship withdrawals from their 401ks to pay for certain things. Certain 401k plans allow hardship withdrawals. That allows you to get the money out prior to leaving the company. But just because it's a hardship withdrawal, you still are going to pay taxes and you're still, in most cases, going to pay a 10% penalty. So, um, you know, avoid that if you can. I mean, if you got to put, you know, food on the table or keep yourself, you know, with a roof over your head, fine. But if it's to keep a mortgage payment that you ultimately can't afford or something like that, please don't rob your retirement accounts to be in a house that, you know, a year or two from now, you can't afford it anyway. Good stuff. Good to meet Chad and I at Los Gatos Toll House Hotel tomorrow night. You can find
2: out more information at robblack.com. It's for uh, wealth preservation, retirement planning. It's the Rob Black show. I'll be back in 22 hours. As long as my Boston here not
0: today's show.
1: <laughs> Rob Black, weekday mornings from 10 to noon on Talk 910 KNEW.